0: Hello guys and welcome to KTN Podcast. I'm Petra Spetsilbus, I'm the host and it's been a long old time since I've done this. In like April 2018 I hung up my hat which at the time I thought was forever. I thought I would never get back to venturing the career of Nicolas Cage. But Signs just kept pointing at me that it might be the right thing to do. Uh, one of them being just any time there was an article that he was mentioned, if he did anything, uh, there were there were loads of people who just still sent me those articles, whether it be on Facebook, via message, whatever. They would send me stuff, and one of those articles uh, used like a stock photo of Nicolas Cage. And the photographer's name was also Petros. So it's like the stars aligned. But maybe, maybe it was time for me to return. And I couldn't have picked a stranger time to do that than (laughs) the current global pandemic that is the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. The big old Rona. (laughs) Um... So that's why I'm back, yeah. And I can't help but think this is an underwhelming start to return to the podcast because this week I will be talking about 2009's Astro Boy. That's right. Uh, A little bit of background on Astro Boy it was created in 1952 as a manga in japan and uh was not licensed until 2002 in english by dark horse comics it's actually one of the top 10 best selling mangas of all time selling over 100 million copies which i don't know about you but to me that's pretty impressive Top 10, it's got like, I I, I know, I know little about manga and I know little about Astro Boy, but one thing I do know is it's had a very large cultural impact and it spawned anime series in 1963, 1980 and 2003. And then obviously in 2009, it was finally turned in to a motion picture which was released by summit entertainment and imagi animation studios uh i did a little bit of digging on that studio company uh they're a hong kong based company so this is a us hong kong release um collaboration if you will and um they went under (laughs) shortly after this film that's imagi animation studios in february 2010 february 5th to be exact um they 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 shut down this happened to be their last film so um right there that's got alarm bells ringing to me that we may be falling upon a dud (laughs) Uh, the budget for this was sixty five million dollars. Um it's quite big, isn't it? It's quite it's quite big. Mm, uh, yeah, I know I am not I'm not sure what the average is for animated films, but sixty-five million dollars. You wouldn't sniff at that. That's it's a big old, big old, big old bill, of money. In the director's chair we have Dan Bowers. Um, I know you're pretty thinking the same thing as I thought when I heard that name. Who the fuck is that? Like, no offence to him, he doesn't even sound like a director. Dan Bowers does not sound like the name of a director. Just sounds like one of your dad's mates, or, or like one of your mates. Like, who's coming around for dinner tonight? Oh, oh, Dan Bowers, isn't he? Oh, Dan Bowers is coming round. Um, I did a little digging into Dan Bowers, to see what he's done, to kind of see if he's got the pedigree to to, to he- or helm such like a, I don't know, uh, a well-loved property. Uh, he hasn't really done much. He's done the Diary of a Wimpy Kid films, and he's supposed to be directing a Rugrats film. Like for me, which is massively exciting because I'm am a child of the '90s. I grew up watching Rugrats. Um, but I do I do fear I do fear considering this has ceased to like spawn any sequels or just. Just from looking at like the Wikipedia page of Astro Boy, like the manga series, it's it is it's stopped now and there are no like there's been there's been no no media of Astro Boy since this film. So did Dan Bowers single-handedly run Astro Boy into the ground? <laughs> The cast of this film, though, like, considering I always try and go in not knowing anything, like, a cast is something I can like base an opinion on, or at least like something to get me excited for the film I'm about to watch. Uh, this cast is pretty good. We've got Freddie Highmore, Shalise Veron, uh, Ryan Styles, Eugene Levy, Donald Sutherland, Bill Nye, and of course. Nicholas Cage, a man who I've missed. I never thought I would say it. Like, but talking about him and just just kind of like immersing myself in his world and just just keeping a finger on the pulse of what he's up to. Like uh, yeah, one, one, one of the stories I heard like in in my massive hiatus was that this new year's just gone, so 2019 into 2020. Nicholas Cage turned up to a pub in Devon, I believe it was, or Bath, in the UK, and just bought everyone a drink. It just sounds like a nice guy. I always used to like give him a real hard time, like back in the day. But I think as I've got older, he's kind of he's kind of morphed into like a goth Bill Murray character to me, and I love him more and more as this thing goes on and i think the time apart really made me realize like what i had missed like like oh like you know yeah what's the saying you don't you don't you don't you don't know a good thing until it's gone well that's that's what it was like for me and nick cage like it wasn't until he was ripped from me well even though it was my choice but it wasn't, yeah. Afterwards, I started like looking back, like a, like a failed love, like a yeah, like a lost, lost sweetheart. Like, oh, what what, what what Nick's up to? Kind of, kind of, kind of missing him quite quite a bit. Um, so that's all we have really in regards to who's in it, who directed it, what Astro Boy is, from what I can like delve without going into knowing what this film is about kind of the lure of astro boy i know nothing about that as i said i'm not like a manga fan i'm not i'm not an astro boy fan i'm not like i know i know nothing about the the law that, that that's behind this or anything like that i just kind of i'm going into this blind as i try and do anytime i watch any of these films um but before i get stuck in watch this film i've got to go to uh an old friend it was it's really nice that despite this massively long hiatus this guy jumped back in straight away and that's my good old friend the anagram hunter who you can find on twitter at thomas underscore w underscore hunter and he just provides the best anagrams like whether it's like pop culture whatever i'm pretty sure you could give him a collection of words and he'll find some great anagrams for you and that's what he does for me and the anagram he has given me this week for astro boy is a bo story does that tell us something about the film like let's think back already to the things we've already learned the fact that imagey animation studios went bankrupt after this film the fact that in the world we're living in where everything is just sequels after sequels extended universes the fact that astro boy itself is such a beloved franchise and like has this massive like core following as it were from the manga and has managed to like stand the test of times considering it was like made in 1952 and has managed to like withstand all this time and hold some relevance to what is going on all that bearing in mind the fact that it has kind of halted and cease to exist in any kind of media form really makes me think this could be a stinker this really could be a bo story a big old load of body odor but (laughs) there's only one way to find out and i might be a bit rusty at saying this but once again it's time to get raging with cage In this secret lab, the world's top scientist is building his most incredible creation. The most advanced systems ever created. A perfect robot. Your boy? Yes, sir. (laughs) Hello? (gasps) I'm Cora. Call me Astro. Hey, I think I found something. It's just junk. It's been dead for at least a century. The kid has hidden talents. You have no idea. (laughs) Greetings from the core off the chart. My army could use a robot like that. No. Mobilize all units. I want that thing now. What's with you guys? Stop. You got it, sir. We're coming home. You okay? Oh. Send in the Peacekeeper. Now. This thing on. This October. Ah, cool. Declare war on them. You want a piece of me? Who's driving? When the world needs saving, he's built for the challenge. I have to take care of it, Astro. No, Astro. Astro boy. Uh. Huh? I got machine guns in my butt. The planet has turned into a dystopian shithole. The disparity between wealth is growing larger by the day. Parents are struggling to homeschool their children. Lives are being lost of loved ones and children are being orphaned. There's a gravely poor decision made by an egomaniacal politician There's an impending class war and socialism is on the rise No, I'm not talking about the current situation that we're living in I'm of course talking about the subject of this week's episode, Astro Boy A film that struggles to get started but when it does, it's over So let's start, first things first, what the fuck happens in this film? So as I said in that intro, the world has turned to shit. Metro City floats above the planet in a kind of dystopian utopia and we see this uh, like infomercial talking about Dr. Temmer. He's like a leading scientist in robotics and he has this little cock-nosed like mate called um Dr. Elfin and they just kind of have developed robots that do everything for everyone. All the menial tasks we kind of see this in like slapstick moments and Little piece, bits and pieces like that. And Dr Elfin has been working on harnessing the powers of these blue and red cores. Blue being good, red being bad. At one point they were together, but they've been split apart. And they can't go back together because it will cause... Ca- catastrophic... Uh, of no, no, course like just, just fucking catastrophe all over the place. Um, and that's something... We need to remember that these cores can't go back together and that blue, good, red, bad. Um, Dr. Tenma is the character that is played by Nicolas Cage and let's start off with the way he looks. So he's kind of got this like, I don't know, he doesn't look like your stereotypical film or animated uh, scientist, you can't... of, kind of looks a bit cool, but he's got this horrible, horrible soul patch, like, beard bit on the bottom, Um, and Nick Cage's work in this, like, his voice work is great. Uh, He's only had a couple of, like, other outings up until this point, or, like, three outings up until this point, being, like, the 2000 uh, Christmas Carol, um, the Ant Bully, and g-force doing voice work but i do really think that nicholas cage's kind of presence and aura lends itself to animation really well because he's a really expressive guy whether that be physically in a lot of his films especially through his voice and he can he has this weird range in this he's very much playing straight down the line nick cage so you're not getting much in the way of like range as in like he's not doing anything crazy with his voice but we've seen that he can do crazy stuff with his voice in previous films then in the plot we're introduced to toby who later becomes the titular role astro boy spoiler um i didn't like toby i'm gonna be straight with you like from the get-go i thought toby was quite arrogant he was a little smart ass it's just like like instantly unlikable little character and i feel like that is a big drawback in a film when you are supposed to be rooting for someone um he has the same kind of annoyance that i get from superman in that like he can do no wrong he's a little goody goody but mixed with Richie Rich in this case because he aces a test at school and he's like really smug about it and then kind of walks out like I'm done and then gets into a limo driven by his robot butler. Toby is voiced by Freddie Highmore the child star um, but could have been voiced by anyone really because I couldn't really like distinguish that I it, it was freddie highmore maybe because i don't really know what freddie highmore's voice sounds like but if anything it reminded me of tom holland from the um, mcu like spider-man films kind of had that kind of preppy upbeat quality to it uh, that he provides in those films but yeah not really like wow I wasn't blown away by his 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 voice performance um he phones his dad Dr. Tenmar. I should have said that, uh, <laughs> that his dad is Dr. Tenmar. And he calls him and says like, oh, what are you doing, dad? Can we hang out, dad? And he's really busy because he is a leading scientist and he's got a new project that he needs to show prospective investors. In this case, it happens to be the president, President Stone, voiced by Donald Sutherland, who to me sounds like he's very much phoning it in. It's just, uh, I don't know. He just delivers the lines and that's about it, really. Like, there's not so much like oomph and pizzazz, even in moments later in the film when it like warrants it, really. He just kind of goes straight down the line, Donald Sutherland. Um, so... Astro Boy, well, Toby at this point, <laughs> sneaks his way into the lab whilst the presentation is going on. And Dr Elfen is talking about how these cores work and that they have managed to harness the power of them and that the blue core will be able to power everything and that it may be able to bring and restore this kind of balance between this utopia that is floating above the earth that is metro city and the surface and kind of bring some normality back to life but it happens to have the yin to the yang that is this red core that is dangerous destructive and bad um during this presentation President Stone, very much like a president that we may all know, very much is all about getting re-elected. And he has the idea to put these cores inside of a robot that he has in order to cause some kind of like class war between Metro City and the surface in order to get re-elected. In this presentation, he manages to get the red core inside of a robot named the Peacemaker and a demo goes awry because the Peacemaker manages to absorb like the drones that are fighting against it and Dr Elfin tells them that this is a part of kind of like the energy that enhances it kind of adaptive energy and can manage to like pull in other things to create like a bigger stronger always growing organism of destruction and things go bad quickly when the peacemaker turns on the people doing the presentation. What they don't know and very specifically what Dr. Tenma does not realise is that Toby is stuck in the chamber with the peacemaker and the peacemaker is trying to shoot through a force field to kill Dr. Tenma, Dr. Eltham the president, and his cronies. And whilst trying to do so, manages to kill. Yes, I repeat, manages to kill Toby down dead. So at this point in proceedings, let's take stock. With 12 minutes into the film, and we have a neglectful father, a corrupt politician, and a dead fucking kid. I'm not sure about you, but this doesn't ring true as like a kind of a big, joyous kids film like if this were a superhero origin story albeit that this is the origin story of astro boy from the manga and the anime this film is an hour and 26 minutes long at this point it already feels quite boring and episodic the fact that like we have now got this kind of like death so early on to the titular character, I don't really know. Well, I obviously do know because I've watched the film, but I don't really know how I feel about that. Dr. Tenma obviously distraught, like upset, hating himself, hating the kind of like the life that he's led, making these robots, goes to work at this point and works day and night, and we see this through a montage, to create a robo-Toby, using Dr. Elfin's blue core to power him. He weirdly, though, equips him with rocket feet, guns in his hands, and machine guns in his ass. And I ask myself at this point, imagine, like, if you've watched this film, why? At this point, he's just trying to create I, tell me if I'm wrong, please. But he is trying to create a just replica of his child. Why does he need to be armed to the teeth? Tenma is successful, obviously, is because he's a genius. He's like a robot genius. So now he has his very own little robot son. But instantly regrets it and hates him for reminding him of his dead son. All the woes, the woes of being a brilliant mind, and I guess this is kind of the universal story of any like reanimation. Obviously, are they? They may have the looks, they may have the essence that your loved one once had, but are they, in fact? that person in this case very quickly he realizes no 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 he is not he is still a robot that happens to look like his son and he instantly lies to toby as well he like doesn't tell him that he's a robot he just kind of like continues like toby is oblivious to the fact that he's a robot he just thinks wow i've had a lovely sleep when do i go back to school his dad puts the kibosh on that he's like no nah, you're being you're being homeschooled from now on here's some uh descartes here's some uh da vinci read these books not great homeschooling i haven't homeschooled myself but i pretty much think that that's not a really good thing just be like read these books be, be a bit more proactive ten you're 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 a smart guy you can you can do this. Come on. Um, when Toby manages to use Da Vinci's plans and stuff like that, and creates like flying devices in his room, very much with the help of um, the robot Butler, uh, he gets sent to his room because Temper comes in. He's like, "No, this isn't good enough. Get to your room, mate. I've had, I've had enough of you already. I built you yesterday. Like so. So far in my mind, this film has been over like two days." He died on the first day. This is the second day. I'm not sure if like a like su- su- a significant amount of time passed when Tenma was building Toby, but the film doesn't really make it that clear. There's no like I don't know great signs to show that it is a massive passing of time. But why am I sweating this small stuff? There's a plot I need to recap here. So he's sent to his room and then manages to find his way outside and kind of like in an instant realizes that he's a robot because he like i think he falls off of the balcony if i'm remembering this quickly this shows how like bad this film is i can't really i can't really remember and didn't put it down my notes but he realizes he's got these rockets in his shoes And then just goes fucking buck wild all around Metro City. Manages to call to the centre of the earth um, through what looks like Mount Fuji. They never really say, but um, he calls through. President Stone's goons are telling him, whoa, we've had this blue core sighting on our radars. We should really go check this out. And at this moment, Toby flies home to hear Tenma talking to Elf and saying, that's it, I'm getting rid of the little robot bastards, I'm going to unplug him, I'm done, I'm done, like a like like an like overworn flashlight. I'm done with it, I've had enough, I'm not having it anymore, I'm getting rid of him. Toby over here is this, he's all, he's all sad, he's like, oh, but he doesn't have time to be sad for too long because... President Stone's goons are out in full force. All these ships come and a fight ensues. And things kind of escalate and escalate. And this massive ship appears. And they manage to get the best of Toby. Despite him like fighting off the first wave of ships. This big ship manages to shoot him down. And he falls from Metro City and lands on the surface of the planet so before we press on let's just take stock again we're not even an hour into this film and already we have a dead kid who's been reanimated by his father and has now been disowned and shot down to trash planet which in all fairness is what the earth has become it's just a massive like kind of landfill and toby is amongst all the kind of the debris and stuff like that, but managed to get trapped by this ragtag bunch of orphan kids who all look relatively clean and quite nice, but very quickly is taken away from them by these free robots who have very questionable kind of um design and kind of morals for a kid's film because they are very much communists they kind of have communist garb they kind of have like the insignia of the communist uh, regime they call each other comrade uh, they very much have the ideals of they are against the humans and they are very much against a guy called ham egg that's right ham egg the big old ham lad they do not like him and they also, live by the laws of robots, which is you can't harm a human. So their plan is to tickle him. They want to tickle him to death, maybe. I'm not sure because obviously that would go against the laws of robotics. Um, so we're introduced to this kind of weird ragtag bunch, which, in all fairness, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more on. But throughout this whole film, they're kind of like sidelined to so like not even a b-plot not even a c-plot kind of a d-plot they kind of just like pop in every now and then and don't really do much um not even in the way of like comic relief and the leader of the gang is voiced by uh matt lucas of little britain fame as many of you may know um so he is then taken back by the ragtag bunch of orphans whose leader's name is Cora. I do not remember the rest of the gang's name because that is totally irrelevant to the proceedings of the film. You don't need to know. It doesn't matter what their names are because no character, not even Toby really, apart from the fact that he's like a smart-ass little prick who's now a robot... There's no real character development. Like, Tenma has gone through kind of... You're supposed to, like... Like, this loss that he's had. You didn't really see in the first place that he loved his fucking son. So, how are we supposed to be like, Oh, Tenma, you've lost your son. How sad for you. When he hasn't really shown a connection to him in the first place. So, at this point, Tenma agrees with president stone that he will capture toby and he will take the core out of him that's how much he's disowned his son he will take the core out of his own son so whilst with the kind of communist robots uh very like lazy bit of storytelling like they're they're like no toby's not your name you're called astro I'm not sure if like from the manga or the anime, this is how he got the name Astro Boy, but it's pretty weak, it's pretty lame. Now named Astro Boy, he is taken to the ragtag bunch of orphans orphanage, which is run by a kind of tubby Miss Hannigan type in the form of Ham Egg, the big ham lad. He's shown around and is kind of told that Hameg like looks for scraps of robots to build new robots. And he's very quickly acclimatized into their group. And that night, very quickly, Ham Egg opens up to him about the fact that he used to live in Metro City. And not just that, he also worked with dr Tenma, and was a brilliant 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 robotics genius but was too smart for them and because he was too smart he was cast out onto the surface of the world and he now collects these bits of robots and gets them to fight in a thing called the robot games uh cut to the next day the little orphan kids all going around on their merry way looking for bits of scraps that they can use for big old ham eggs, new robots, Uh, which upon Astro managed to stumble on a robot that is like hundreds of years old called Zog and using his magical blue energy core Manages to resurrect him back to his former glory. And then we cut to a montage of the kids resurrecting him and getting him all like spruced up, ready for the robot games. That evening, Cora this time opens up to Astro which is like baffling to me considering at this point he's down on the surface of the earth and is lying to everyone he hasn't told anyone that he's a robot which i guess that like if he was he would be in the robot games or they would just disown him they kind of have this like despise for robots apart from the fact of just being utility objects or things for pleasure as opposed to like living amongst in unity um so she is from Metro City as well. Bloody hell, who would have thought it? Who would have thought all these people falling down to the, the trash planet are actually from Metro City. But she has been estranged from her parents and Astro listens intently, nearly tells her that he's a robot, but chickens out at the last moment. The following day it's the Robot Games and by this point I think maybe we're on like day three of the whole plot. I'm not quite sure, but it is the Robot Games. And very quickly, Ham Egg reveals that he knows that Astro is a robot. And he shows this to the ragtag bunch of orphans by electrocuting him. And he's like, You thought you could you thought you could have fooled me, kid? Ah, there's no way you can fool me. I'm the ham lad. I know everything. Um And he forces, oh, he forces Astro to fight in some form of crazy gladiatorial Coliseum fight amongst robots. That is the Robot Games. Very, very similar to the British TV program. I'm not sure if they had it uh, globally, but Robot Wars, apart from instead of just kind of sad acts with their dads creating robots in their garages, these are just robots made by. Hamlad basically to fight until the death. Uh, he, yeah, weirdly, this seems to be some kind of like sporting game. He seems to be the only person who has robots involved, which I don't quite understand. But so far in this film, they haven't really done much to like build the world and make it a great deal of character development. So I guess they didn't really care. So he forces astro boy to fight against like a mirage of different uh robots and stuff like that one of them looks like the mustachioed like rotund robot from the return to oz and he's got a sore hand that's pretty cool and another one's like a a creepy baby robot and then he makes him fight zog well at least he intends him to because zog wants none of it he he's got a connection with astro boy like, let's not forget that they share the same essence. They share that blue core. And Zog's like, "No, nah, mate, I'm not having it. I'm gonna save Astro Boy. I'm gonna kill you, Hamlad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tread on you. I'm massive, and you're a tiny little fat bloke with a mustache. You're getting killed. And it is at this moment that Astro Boy saves big old ham egg. Which to me is like the biggest, like the quickest time I've ever seen someone go from being like, Oh, he's lovely. He's voiced by Nathan Lane. He must be lovely too. Oh no, he's an arsehole. He probably deserves to die To, Oh no, let's give him a bit of redemption by saving his life. Maybe he will show his true colours to be a lovely, genial man by the end and again spoiler alert because he doesn't this fred is kind of left here and abruptly there and then at this moment like the writer's room just went uh," like that game where you write a story and then fold over the paper and somebody has to continue the story it's like how this writer's room went because all of a sudden president stone and his goons are there to take astro boy away. And they take him to Tenma's lab, who probably even quicker than Hameg kind of like changes his mind, just flip-flops his mind from being like, that's it, I'm taking out the core. He takes out the core to kind of doing like a bit of, <whistles> bit of um, sleight of hand with him and Dr. Elfin manages to like get the core back, put down a force field. Stone thinks that Elfin's got it. No, Tenma's got it. He puts the core back in Astro Boy and he's off. It is this point that Stone, a man who is intent on a class war between Metro City and the bin surface that is the planet, takes the red core. As we knew earlier, that's bad. Act One told us this: that the red core is bad. It's, not, it's No, it's not good news. He inserts it into the Peacekeeper, which then absorbs him, and he sets about. On a rampage around Metro City, absorbing different parts of it, just trying to get to Astro Boy. It is at this point that the ragtag bunch of orphans turn up in a flying car driven by a little dustbin dog thing that I hadn't mentioned before because it didn't really do much. And at this point, doesn't really do much apart from drive the car. They're all flying about, he's zipping about, he's fighting... With the Peacemaker controlled by President Stone. It's crashing. It's banging. The city's falling down. He's absorbing it. He's looking more grotesque. Astro Boy and Peacekeeper Stone fight some more. Until the point where it looks like the Peacekeeper Stone has got the best of him. And is about to stamp on him. But he's saved at the last moment by the ragtag bunch of orphans. Yay! And then (laughs) that causes a catastrophe catastrophic i know i keep saying that catastrophic that's not a word catastrophic event that metro city starts to fall back down to the earth's surface and it is at this point that astro boy is kind of holding it up like making it guide down slowly and it reminded me of age of ultron and then at that moment i was thinking i would much rather be watching the age of ultron and that's not even the best mcu film um astro boy helps the city land safely it's slotted back into its position on the earth and then tries to fuck up stone nearly dying by being absorbed by the peacemaker and the, the cause like nearly touching but then at the last moment he gets spat out conveniently right next to tenma who like talks to him and tells him no if the cause do touch then they will both be destroyed and it will be catastrophic events you do not want that but this gives astro boy the idea that this is his calling this is what he's meant to do he is meant to die he is meant to kill The Peacemaker is meant to save people. That's why he's got these guns. That's why he's got these jets. That's why he's got these machine guns coming out of his arse. Um, So he does. He flies straight into the Peacemaker and they both explode. They both go. Where's Astro Boy? Where's President Stone? Well, we see President Stone emerge from the rubble and is instantly arrested that's it plot line wrapped up he's bad he's done asteroid boy though appears to be dead he lays there lifeless no robotic charge flowing through his body his core gone but is that is that it is that it oh no 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 because in the second act Astroboy gave some of his core energy to big old Zog, who turns up and says, oh, I got a bit of his energy. You want some? Elfin says, so- Oh yes, please. We'll take some of it and revives Astro Boy back to where he was. And then everybody is reunited. Tenma, Astro Boy, Cora, her parents, Metro City the trash earth are all reunited together it looks peaceful it looks lovely it must be the end no no it's not the end all of a sudden a tentacled one-eyed monster appears out of bloody nowhere Astro Boy now realizes that his destiny wasn't to die. No, 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 no. His destiny is to just fight any bad guys that turn up and beat the shit out of them. He turns to Tenma, who stops him, who asks, Are you ready for this? To which Astro Boy replies, I was born ready. And then just zooms up into the air and punches the one eyed tentacle monster in the eye cut to credits which to me like made me think that they were intending or at least hoping for a sequel which is like a lot of a lot of cojones on these people like those those people at summit and imagey animations really thought that they were going to get a sequel out of this They, they they saw the the cash in their eyes and thought this is franchise material how wrong they were as i said in the intro this has just died a death there has been no iterations of astro boy since this has happened so i think they can be uh, blamed for the death of astro boy once and for all in popular culture i thought that this film was quite like episodic and like quite just quite poor i definitely feel that going back to my good friend the anagram hunter was his anagram right and just to remind you because it was all that time ago his anagram for this film was a b o story well he's right in one place because this film definitely stunk i didn't however see any sweat patches on anyone not even a little rotund dick nose dr elfin not even ham legs he had no sweat and definitely Astroboy didn't because i'm pretty sure robots don't sweat to my next question would i watch this again and that's a straight up no no, I've no I've no I've no real desire to watch this again. And I wouldn't even recommend it to anyone. I would say from just doing a brief bit of research that there's such a wealth in the manga and the anime that it's probably best to go back to that and have a delve into that as opposed to watching this film. It doesn't really seem like a good starting off off point even. It just Seems like they were trying to cash in on something that was popular and hoped for franchisability and it didn't pay off. And how did this film score? So I always try and look for three different scores. The scoring I'm going from from this point on is IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes and more. most importantly probably the Rotten Tomatoes audience score. So in... That order, IMDb score, 6.3. So that's kind of like above average. I would very much say this is an average film. It's like got a one watch factor to it. I wouldn't watch it again. Kind of wish I didn't watch it the first time. But dems the rules of doing this podcast. Which leads me on to the Rotten Tomato score, 50%. Which is straight down the line, meh. And that is in line with the audience score. A very rare sight that you see an audience score and the Rotten Tomatoes score being the same. Both 50%. Again, both kind of giving the same impression of, eh, take it or leave it. And that's very much what I would say about this film. I, however, have come up with a new scoring system for Nicolas Cage films. Well, just in the way that, like, These are things to watch out for. So if you're at home and you're watching a Nicolas Cage film, ask yourself these three questions. Does he have bad hair? Is he doing a mad voice? And at any point in this film, does he freak out? On the hair part, I would say it's pretty mad. Even though it's animated, he didn't really have a choice in the matter. For the weird like soul patch beard, bad hair. (laughs) Does he have a mad voice? No. As I said before, he goes pretty straight down the line, and it just sounds like Nicolas Cage, kind of a bit subdued, no real like wackiness. This isn't like *Vampire's Kiss*. Like, where the fuck is that accent from? It's not that, and. Does he freak out? Unfortunately for me, no, he doesn't freak out. I love a good freak out from Cage as much as the next man. But unfortunately, with this, we didn't get it. That is probably down to the fact that he is not a lead character. He is very much just a side player in this, which making it like quite an underwhelming return to the podcast. But that will change next week when I talk about Kickass. I'm looking forward to this because this is a film I have seen, although I haven't seen it since I watched it at the cinema, which was in 2010. So at this point, that is a solid 10 years ago. So I'm really looking forward to taking another dive back into that film and just seeing how Cage fares in Matthew Vaughan's world that he created from Mark Miller's comic book series. And I will be joined next week by Chris Hewitt, the writer for Empire Magazine and the host of the Empire Film Podcast, and I cannot wait to sit down and chat with him. I'm managing to get quite a lot of guests at the moment, Uh, a lot of them I'll hold back for until they're recorded and stuff like that, and I'll let you guys know, but Lockdown is working my favour. I hate to sound like kind of like like I'm cashing in on this terrible situation that's happened because I think it is terrible, and I hope all of you guys are staying safe out there and looking after each other and looking after yourselves. But people have got a lot of spare time on their hands and just kind of want to provide a bit of escapism for you guys, and they're willing to do that and so am i that's kind of like what gave me a real good push to get some content out to you guys and let's just have a bit of a laugh because things are and can be very bleak at times and especially at the current moment so if you want to keep up to date with things that are going on uh the best place to do that is probably on the socials so that will be at occasion pod on facebook and twitter i'm probably more active on twitter so hit me up on there i'm always posting like funny stuff and well that's not for me to say but (laughs) i'm always posting stuff and i'm very 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 willing to have a chat with you or you can always email me which is at cajunpod at gmail.com or if you really want to like just see some photos of me personally i occasionally put some cajun stuff uh follow me on instagram which is at petrospatsyllabus underscore on instagram and um last but not least the last thing i want to add is i'm on patreon i don't expect anything but if you do want to chuck a couple of pound in or dollars into the pot feel free to do so um i will put the link to that in the show notes and you can do with that what you want so i have been petrus Patsulivus. i have been caged in you have been great thanks bye It's family.